Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. And you're here. Thanks for choosing the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Your quest for podcasts of the paranormal, supernatural, and the unexplained ends here. We invite you to enjoy all our shows we have on this network. And right now, let's start with Strange Things with Joshua P. Warren. Welcome to our podcast. Please be aware the thoughts and opinions expressed by the host are their thoughts and opinions only and do not reflect those of iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, Coast to Coast AM, employees of Premier Networks, or their sponsors and associates. We would like to encourage you to do your own research and discover the subject matter for yourself. Joshua P. Warren, and each week on this show, I'll be bringing you brand new, mind-blowing content, news, exercises, and weird experiments you can do at home, and a lot more. On this edition of the show, the allegory of the cave and dimensions. And later, scientists have discovered that plants make sounds. How about that? I'm going to play some for you on this podcast. All right. Dimensions. Uh, always a tough subject to talk about. It's, well, truly unimaginable. And I'm not going to go into all of my mm, explanations for how you might comprehend dimensions. I've talked about it before. Uh, if you want to hear some of those stories about Flatland and how to wrap your mind around other dimensions. Go back and listen to episode 14 of this podcast. It's called Interdimensional Monsters. Okay, that's where I get into the groundwork for that sort of thing. But what I am going to do is tell you about this story that was written, I believe, almost 2,400 years ago that gives us insight Today and how that dimensions might play into our lives, you know, other dimensions outside of the, the three dimensions or even the fourth dimension of so-called time and, uh, and how that people have always been aware of this if they were thoughtful enough. Um, these philosophers. And of course, most people say the all time great philosopher was Socrates and the allegory of the cave, it uh, is basically a, a story 
that Socrates is telling. And before I get into the actual tale, let me just point out, uh, you know, Socrates, the ancient Greek philosopher, he was persecuted for his his teachings, and uh, he was eventually executed when he was about 80 years old. And um, they say that there are people who are trying to rescue him from prison, but uh, he didn't go. And, and uh, he actually drank hemlock. I guess at 80 years old, he was he was ready to see something more, <laughs> a, a guy of that intelligence. But when I was reading about this allegory, it reminded me of something I wrote about in my book called Use the Force, A Jedi's Guide to the Law of Attraction, which you can uh, obtain through my website. And here is page 154. Just gives you an idea of how Socrates' mind worked. There's a story about Socrates and his approach to gossip, possibly apocryphal, that has circulated for years. And here's one version. In ancient Greece, one day, Socrates, the great philosopher, was approached by an excited man who said, Socrates, do you know what I just heard about one of your students? Wait a moment, Socrates replied. Before you tell me, I'd like you to pass a little test. It's called the test of three. Before you talk to me about my student, let's take a moment to test what you're going to say. The first test is truth. Have you made absolutely sure that what you are about to tell me is true? No, the man said. Actually, I just heard about it. All right, said Socrates. So you don't really know if it's true or not. Now let's try the second test, the test of goodness. Is what you are about to tell me about my student something good? Well, no, the man said. On the contrary. So, Socrates continued, you want to tell me something bad about him, even though you're not certain it's true? The man shrugged a little embarrassed. Socrates continued, you may still pass, though, because there is a third test. The filter of usefulness is what you want to tell me about my student going to be useful to me. Uh, well, no, not really. Well, concluded Socrates, if you want to tell me something that is neither true nor good, nor even useful, then why tell it to me at all? So that's the story, folks, that's been circulating for a long time. And whether or not it's true, it seems to be somewhat in line with what philosophers call the Socratic method of questioning. And uh, the point is quite clear. Why should you develop your opinions about anyone or anything in the world unless you can vouch for the accuracy of the facts. I continue writing, be mindful of this um, even more, uh, as it's even more important in this age of mass media. You cannot put yourself in another person's shoes unless you have some direct access to the information regarding that person. And even then, you should be careful to ensure it is worth your effort to do so. Now, that is all I was going to read to you, but actually there's another interesting little point that I'm going to uh, to include since it it comes right after this. There is a fascinating parallel to this in the Sherlock Holmes stories written by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. 
In his story, A Study in Scarlet, Holmes tells Dr. Watson he was previously unaware that the Earth revolves around the sun. Moreover, now that he's learned it, he will do his best to forget it. And when Watson protests, Holmes imperiously interrupts and says, well, what the deuce is it to me? You say that we go around the sun. If we went around the moon, it would not make a penny worth of difference to me or to my work. You see, Sherlock Holmes believes that the mind has a finite capacity for information storage. And learning useless things reduces one ability to learn useful things. And whether or not this is in fact true, it is a good lesson for all of us to bear in mind. We should strive to only take in pertinent knowledge and even then to only occupy our minds with knowledge that is relevant to our lives. So that's, I'll stop reading right there. And look, I'm a, I'm a terrible trivia buff, so there's no telling how much useless knowledge that is in my mind. But that's just something interesting to think about, isn't it? So that gives you a little bit of an idea, however, of um, the approach to life that Socrates was supposedly taking. And one of Socrates' students was another great philosopher, turned out to be one, named Plato. And Plato had a brother, and his brother's name was Glaucon. All right. So about 2,400 years ago, Plato, he wrote that one day Socrates was talking to Plato's brother Glaucon. And they were having a discussion. Plato liked to write in uh, dialogues, as, as they would call them, you know, where two people are exchanging ideas back and forth. And so the allegory of the cave is Plato's presentation of this story that Socrates was telling that I am now about to paraphrase for you the best I can. And um, I'll get started here. But I think, you know, the clock is going to get us here, so I'll probably have to take a break right in the middle of this. Okay, so Socrates says, imagine a cave. Now, now think, folks, this is thousands of years ago, okay? He says, imagine a cave where people have been imprisoned from childhood, but not from birth. The prisoners are chained so that their legs and necks are fixed forcing them to gaze at the wall in front of them and not to look around at the cave, each other, or themselves. Behind the prisoners is a fire, and between the fire and the prisoners is a raised walkway with a low wall, behind which people walk carrying objects or puppets of men and other living things. The men walk behind the wall so their bodies do not cast shadows for the prisoners to see, but the objects that they carry do, just as puppet showmen have screens in front of them at which they work their puppets. The prisoners cannot see any of what is happening behind them. They are only able to see the shadows cast upon the the cave wall in front of them. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. Hopefully this is making sense to you. 
These guys, they're chained to a cave, facing a wall. They can't see each other. All they know is that they see shadows of things in front of them. They don't know these shadows are being made by people behind them with, you know, like puppets and stuff, shadow puppets. Sounds a little crazy, but this will make sense pretty soon, I think. All right. Uh, I'm going to come back and tell you the rest. Let me remind you, this is a big, big year for me. Uh, My new workshop and laboratory is about to mature. I have many new wonderful things that are going to be revealed throughout this year. Some of them I will not be able to talk about on the podcast. Some of them I just choose not to talk about on the podcast. The only way you can stay involved is to go to my website, joshuapwarren.com. While you're there, please visit the Curiosity Shop. Buy something to support the show. Keep me going. But also, on the homepage, subscribe to my free e-newsletter. You put your email address in this little box, hit submit. When you do that, you will instantly receive an email from me, automated, that's got some links to some amazing stuff, free gifts from me online that you can access. You'll love it. Go to joshuapwarren.com. There's no period after the P when you type that in. I am Joshua P. Warren, and you're listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And I will be right back. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. 
And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. <sighs> Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Thursday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Back to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I am your host, the Wizard of Weird, Joshua P. Warren, beaming into your wormhole brain from my studio in Sin City, Las Vegas, Nevada, where every day is golden and every night is silver. So Socrates is telling this story, the allegory of the cave. These men are chained to this, uh, chained up inside this cave, and they're facing a wall. They can't see each other. They don't know anything about the real world other than shadows that are being projected from behind them on the walls. Okay, like shadow puppets. So the people behind them who walk behind the wall... So, so their bodies, you know, are not visible casting these things. They're like puppet masters. The prisoners cannot see any of what is happening behind them. They are only able to see the shadows cast upon the wall in front of them. They can also hear the sounds of the people talking echo off the walls. And the prisoners believe these sounds come from the shadows. Why wouldn't they? Now, Socrates suggests that the shadows are reality for the prisoners because they have never seen anything else. They do not realize that what they see are shadows of objects in front of a fire behind them, much less that these objects are inspired by real things outside of the cave, which they do not see at all. So Socrates then supposes that the prisoners are released. Uh huh. So a freed prisoner would look around and see the fire and the light would hurt his eyes and make it difficult for him to see the objects casting the shadows. If he were told that what he is seeing is real Instead of the other version of reality that he sees on the wall, he would not believe it. In his pain, Socrates continues, the freed prisoner would turn away and run back to what he is accustomed to. That is the shadows of the carried objects. The light, quote, would hurt his eyes and he would escape by turning away to the things which he was able to look at. And these he would believe to be clearer than what was being shown to him, end quote. But then Socrates continues. He goes even further. He says, suppose that someone 
should drag him out by force up the rough ascent, the steep way up, and never stop until he could drag him out into the light of the sun. The prisoner would be angry and in pain, and this would only worsen when the radiant light of the sun overwhelms his eyes and blinds him. Slowly, his eyes adjust to the light of the sun. First, he can see only shadows. Gradually, he can see the reflections of people and things in water, and then later see the people and things themselves. Eventually, he is able to look at the stars and moon at night until finally he can look upon the sun itself. Only after he can look straight at the sun is he able to reason about it and what it is. Socrates then continues, saying that the free prisoner would think that the world outside the cave was superior to the world he experienced in the cave and attempt to share this with the prisoners remaining in the cave, attempting to bring them on to the journey he had just endured. Says he would bless himself for the change and pity the other prisoners, and he would want to bring his fellow cave dwellers out of the cave and into the sunlight. The returning prisoner whose eyes have become accustomed to the sunlight, would be blind when he re-entered the cave, just as he was when he was first exposed to the sun. The prisoners who remained, according to the dialogue, would infer from the returning man's blindness that the journey out of the cave had harmed him and that they should not undertake a similar journey. Socrates concludes that the prisoners, if they were able, would therefore reach out and kill anyone who attempted to drag them out of the cave. Okay, now, hopefully you kept up with that. I know it's weird, but it's actually a very simple story, and it is profound in a lot of ways, because... I believe that this story that was written almost 2,400 years ago is as relevant today as it has always been because this is a very simple way of trying to not explain what other dimensions are because you can't really do that in a meaningful way, but you can explain how that we humans experience them that even though we can't directly experience other dimensions because our brains can only only go so far and do so much the projections of activity in those other dimensions are almost like shadows in our dimension they're like the shadows that were being projected from somewhere else that the men in the cave could see on the wall. They were seeing the, the shadow, the projection, the flat 2D representation, the, but, but it was a far cry from the actual thing that was making that projection, much less the entire world outside the cave that was actually the source of everything.
So in other words, um, there are some of us who, who prefer to just stay in the cave and, and look at the shadows and not adventure outside of that because that's what you're accustomed to. And, and you also might not be able to grasp why it's necessary to go outside. Furthermore, you may fear it. There are other, other people, however, who have a, a mind that works in a different way and they want to go out and they go through these transformative mystical experiences. And it can happen in a lot of ways. It can happen through sheer study and, and, uh, and thought or, or obviously sometimes people say certain hallucinogens might help or, uh, maybe a traumatic experience. I mean, you hear all these stories. I think that it can be accomplished, however, by some people just through sheer deep thinking. And, uh, therefore, uh, there are people who are able to reach out, uh, and, and experience these other, uh, other models or, or, or phases or forms that bring you a closer look at the true behind the scenes reality. I don't think that we're ever capable of seeing it because you could say that even the, the, mo the most ironic thing about this allegory is that even when he goes outside the cave and he's supposedly seeing the real, real world, well, he's still, <laughs> he's still in a cave by our standards because now we know there are these other dimensions that are beyond that. So when it comes to these ideas about, uh, what are phantoms or other bizarre creatures or how does consciousness work or how can we manipulate reality with our minds and manifest things or see into the future or the past. It ties into this ability that that information could, well, could be retrieved from these other dimensions and that this whole reality that we live in is kind of a holograph, a holographic universe, or as I call it, a holosentient universe. Um, and that we are simply seeing the uh, the exterior uh, edge of some of these uh, things that are existing outside of us and beyond us. And this may be one of the best early examples of describing other dimensions and interdimensional phenomena and how and why we interact with it. And and I hope you see that the way I do, which is why I wanted to share it with you, because I think that's really fascinating. And, you know, you watch these, some of these scientists today who talk about not believing in all this kind of paranormal stuff. And then you turn around and you talk to the best scientists in the world who have won Nobel prizes studying quantum physics. And they say, Oh yeah, it's Alice in Wonderland here. You know, it's down the rabbit hole. Like, anything is possible that there's no such thing as a set reality that there are other places where things are, you know, information comes from and goes to. And I mean, like, so the best smartest scientists out there are telling us that there comes a point where you can't really differentiate too much between hardcore science and philosophy, right? Okay. When we come back from this break, 
I'll give you one more like finishing thought on that topic. And then I want to play this audio for you. I've never heard this before. It's apparently some pretty new research. Scientists have discovered that plants make sounds. And this is another example of what I'm talking about. You may feel secure that you know everything. And then one day, nope, new discovery. The world is much more complex than we can imagine. I'm Joshua P. Warren. You're listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And I'll be back after these important messages. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. <sighs> Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Thursday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Welcome back to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. 
I'm your host, Joshua P. Warren, and this is the show where the unusual becomes usual. Just to wrap up my thoughts on the allegory of the cave and other dimensions, my wife, Lauren, and I have two little chihuahuas named Dolly and Llama, both females, and they're both very good-natured, even though we're pretty sure that Llama has got some chupacabra in her, but you've heard me talk about that before. And so uh, these dogs, uh, they are never allowed to go out our front door because, you know, we live in Las Vegas, and uh, these are the kinds of dogs, like, especially Dolly, she's so fast. If she sees something like a pigeon or whatever, it's like streak of lightning, she's gone. And, you know, I have this section out back where we have, you know, a swimming pool and a spa. We've got a nice setup out here, so they get plenty of room to go out back and, and have some outside time when we when we're not we're not taking them for a special walk or something but we never let them go out the front door and whenever i open the front door uh the dogs especially dolly she'll run up and she'll stand right there and she'll just want to catch a peek of what's outside now i gotta be very careful that she doesn't just shoot right by me and i say get no get back get back get back and I'm sure th- she thinks that I'm just being a mean old guy, you know, not letting her go out there. And she has no idea that if she goes out there, that there are these zooming cars that could hit her in an instant and, and kill her. Right. That's not she. she's not able to comprehend that. And it, that reminds me also of the allegory of the cave that um there are certain things that we humans are not allowed to do, and and that might make us angry. We say, well, this is a bunch of bull, and I don't like God or the universe or whoever you want to blame, because there are things that you think you should have or be able to achieve, and, and, and it's just not happening for you. But you may not realize what you're asking for. In some cases, going outside of the cave might actually be dangerous for you. And, um, I mean, look at how many astronauts have died trying to go outside of the cave a little farther. (laughs) So anyway, just another way of looking at that. Well, let's move on to plant life. Shall we? I have always believed that plants have spirits. One of the reasons that I believe that now is because a long time ago, I'm talking, you know, 20 some years ago, I started doing experiments along with the lemur team about uh, experiments with plants. We would get plants and we would hook them up to biofeedback devices and uh, see what kind of signals they were producing under different circumstances, photograph them with Kirlian cameras and and different types of uh, imaging. And without getting into all the specific results, I came to the conclusion that I believe these plants are sentient. To some extent, all plants, not to mention the fact that if you can see auras and you look at a plant, you can see the aura around the plant. And in some cases, it's quite big and bright. And, uh, you know, I hate to tell you that if you're a vegetarian, uh, I have nothing against you. But you're, you're if you're just a vegetarian, you're still not completely getting away with not um, 
taking a life <laughs> because, you know, uh, you, you have to consume life, I think, in order to continue living. And so even when you eat plants, you're, you're consuming some spirits. But I never thought to hook up some very sensitive microphones to see if plants were producing sounds per se. You know, like vibrations that could be heard in in different ranges. And I guess nobody else did in, just, until just recently. Because here is this scientific journal called Cell, C-E-L-L dot com, that put out this report. And I first learned about it through um, an article at CNN dot com by Katie Hunt. And essentially, it says plants are not silent. They make clicking sounds, a study finds. The actual journal highlight says plants emit ultrasonic airborne sounds when stressed. The emitted sounds reveal plant type and condition. Plant sounds can be detected and interpreted in a greenhouse setting. Okay. So this article goes on to say at CNN, plants make popping sounds that are undetectable to the human ear and they make more sounds when they're thirsty or under some kind of stress. The research shakes up what most botanists thought they knew about the plant kingdom, which had been considered largely silent and suggests the world around us is a cacophony of plant sounds. Um, they talk about Lilac Hodney, uh, the study co-author, she said she had long been skeptical that plants were completely noiseless. Quote, there are so many organisms that respond to sound. I thought there was no good reason for plants to be deaf and mute. Uh, she is a professor at the School of Plant Sciences and Food Security and program head of the George S. Wise Faculty of Life Sciences at Tel Aviv University. The first plant she recorded using an ultrasonic microphone was a cactus in her lab six years ago, but she could not rule out that the sound she detected was made by something else in the environment. Previous studies had shown that plants made vibrations, but it wasn't known whether these vibrations became airborne sound waves. To figure out whether plants actually were emitting sounds, she and her team commissioned soundproof acoustic boxes. They placed tobacco and tomato plants in the boxes rigged with ultrasonic microphones that record at frequencies between 200 and 250 kilohertz. And some of the plants had cut stems or had not been watered for five days. Others were untouched. And they found that the plants emitted sounds at a frequency of 40 to 80 kilohertz and when condensed and translated into a frequency humans can hear, the noises were a bit similar to the pop of popcorn being made or bubble wrap bursting. And it says that uh, when the tomato, uh, the tomato plants were not stressed, they were very quiet. And a stressed plant emitted around 30 to 50 of these popping or clicking sounds per hour. Um, so they're saying that they don't know exactly how these sounds are made, but they believe the noises come from this process in which an air bubble in the plant's water column collapses under some kind of pressure, making a click or pop. 
So they say they can't conclude that the cut flowers in your vase are, are screaming at you in pain. But what they're saying is that these plants are definitely making sounds that could be communicating with other, you know, creatures or, or forms of life. And, you know, what's funny, we, we could just look at that and say, well, that's, that's, these are just air bubbles escaping when, you know, or something like that. But on the other hand, you could probably look at a human and say, if you're, if you're like some giant other being, and you don't know what a human is, you could be like, well, they just have sporadic air that pops out of their mouth when they speak. You know, so I don't know. Let's just give it a listen, shall we? So this is what happens when you take the sound of one of these tomato plants and you condense it into um, a frequency that human ears can hear. Uh, this is what it sounds like. All right. Well, uh, pretty interesting, huh? What do you think? Uh, you know, as I was listening to that, I thought, what if I were to take that and turn that sound into a parasymatics sigil? What would that look like? And would it bear any resemblance to the plant or the DNA of the plant or, you know, any of those things? Um, hmm. I don't know. Maybe I, I will look more deeply into that and see if I can come up with some experiments. But, you know, I've got some pretty good microphones in my laboratory, so maybe I will try seeing if I can capture some sounds from some of my plants. I have some pretty exotic plants like tickle me plants or some call them zombie plants that when you when you touch them, their leaves close up. And, you know, I'm a big fan of playing around with Venus fly traps and I got some pretty weird stuff. So, okay, when we come back from this break, there's actually another sound that I want to bring up. You know, I, not too long ago, I uh, I pulled out a rattlesnake rattle and rattled it for you here on the show. And a lot of people contacted me and they said, you know what? I have no idea how, how a rattlesnake rattle even works. Are there some beads in there? Or what? So when we return, I'm actually going to... Um, I'm going to shake my rattlesnake rattler again. I'm going to tell you why it is that a rattlesnake rattle rattles, which I find surprising. And then I have just a plethora of other strange and somewhat random things that I want to get into. Uh, I'll go through as many as I can during the last segment of the show and uh, including some interesting updates for you. So I'm Joshua P. Warren. You're listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I will be right back. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other 
as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. <sighs> Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Thursday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. segment of this edition of Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'm your host, Joshua P. Warren, and I want to let you know that you can visit an, an interesting display that I just put in place recently. Of course, I own the Haunted Asheville Ghost Tours in Asheville, North Carolina. So if you're going to be in that town, well, go to hauntedashville.com and buy a ticket and take the tour. I also created and own the Haunted Boulder City Ghost and UFO Tour, which is a walking tour here in Nevada, about 30 minutes outside of Las Vegas. And if you've never been to Boulder City, Nevada, do yourself a favor and go there. And uh, that walking tour is hauntedbouldercity.com. You can even uh, drink a beer as you take that one if you want. 
And uh, But what a great little charming city. You've heard me talk a lot about it. But I am a member of the Boulder City Chamber of Commerce. And I was talking to the staff over there, the wonderful people like Jill and Madison. And I said, you know, I uh, used to have this museum in Asheville. And I have some pretty interesting items that are not currently on display. How would you feel about me displaying them for a while at the Boulder City Chamber of Commerce? And they said, yes, absolutely. That'd be awesome. So right now, if you go to the Boulder City Chamber of Commerce, and I think their hours are like, you know, nine to five every day, at least Monday through Friday, you can look it up. Um, then you can go in there and see two things there on display that belong to me. One of them is a real alien crystal skull that I attained when I was doing my research in the Bermuda Triangle. And it's big and it's heavy and it's really cool. And um, you can learn about it when if you make the trip to go see it, but you, you can get pretty darn close to it. It's in a glass case, but it's a real crystal skull. And some people say that it telepathically communicates with them. And then also I have got there on display some actual rocks from a UFO crash site that happened in Puerto Rico. I also attained this when I was down there in doing my Bermuda Triangle research for years. And this was a crash that happened, I think, in like 1997. And uh, I... Took this big hike out into this remote area with a couple of friends and we found this site and there were still rocks scorched black from this thing. And I collected some of them. And so those are now there also on display. So go to hauntedboldercity.com if you're going to be in the Vegas area. Come take the tour, but if you can, go out during the day, because the tour is usually in the evening. Go out uh, during the day and see what we have at the visitors, uh, well, it's the, the Boulder City um, Chamber of Commerce there, which I think it's like the Nevada Visitor Center also, sort of combined, but anyway, that's cool. Now, I recently did a podcast where I was talking about rattlesnake tails and just you know, I was talking about the noise that things make in nature. And I got this significantly sized rattlesnake tail from this guy in Texas not too long ago. I have it in my hand right now. And uh, there you go. There it is. There, there's me shaking it back and forth. If you have a pet, does your pet react to that? Like, does it scare them or freak them out? Do they know that something threatening is nearby? Because as soon as I got this thing, I took it up to our chihuahuas and was like, and they did not care in the slightest. It's very, very difficult to phase them. They don't even like playing with toys half the time. So people said, well, you know, is there like, are there some beads or something in there? Well, let me tell you a couple things real quick about rattlesnake tails that are truly are just fascinating. For one thing, a rattlesnake, can rattle its tail 90 times per second. 90 times per second. And uh, it says that is twice as fast as the wing muscles of a hummingbird sipping nectar. Isn't that shocking? You know, and scientists are still like trying to study exactly how they do that. 
But the thing is, if you cut open a rattlesnake tail, and I've not done this, but you can find videos, uh, at least there's one on YouTube of a guy who does this. The, the most interesting thing is when you cut them open, they, it looks like they're empty. There are no beads or anything like that inside. But what you do find is that each little layer of the rattle is what they call a button. And each button is kind of like an exterior button. And inside of it is like a, a slightly smaller button, which is a dead cell or, or, or made of dead cells. So basically, every time a rattlesnake sheds, I think it gets like a new button and some of that dead skin stays inside. So each button is actually kind of like shells within shells. And so when, when the snake shakes its tail, you're just hearing those dried, hard shells uh, kind of like banging against each other. I don't know. what what's, How would you describe Banging is not a good word, but I think you understand what I'm saying. Like these these crusty, crunchy little layers are uh, are bouncing off each other. And that is what gives this amazing sound. But there are no little... No little objects or anything. Again, if you cut open a rattlesnake rattler, it just looks like it's empty, except there are two or three layers of these buttons as shells. So that's pretty wild. In fact, let's see. What do they efficiently say? A rattlesnake rattle is made of dead tissue, and its owner shakes it by twitching sets of small muscles on either side of its tail. <laughs> so pretty amazing. Another example of the wonders of Mother Nature, right? Um, okay. Next thing I want to talk to you about. Um, oh, you know, I am, I am still collecting stories for my new anthology called Amazing Happy Endings. And if you go to amazinghappyendings.com, you can submit a story because I've got so many great ones and I've been, I, I edited a, a version of this already. And I, you know what? I love it so much. I just want to make it bigger and bigger and keep collecting stories. If you can just write one paragraph, that's fine. It just has to be a story, preferably something that happened directly to you. It's got to be short. It's got to be true. And it's got to have an amazing, happy ending. And there are some examples there for you because I'm going to be hopefully putting this book out finally this year. I've been slowly collecting stories and um, I'll tell you something kind of funny. I took a version of this just for the heck of it. And I sent it to a literary agent that I've worked with before. And I said, what do you think about this? And I don't want to tell you who the agent is, but I will tell you it's not Lisa Hagen. Okay. So this agent looked at it. And I thought the agent was going to say, oh, this is fantastic. This is going to be a big sale. Basically, the agent said, it's too positive. <laughs> it's it's going to make people feel too good. And that's not what sells so much these days. And I thought, wow, that is really sad, isn't it? But I understand this is a sign of the times and this is the world in which we live. And so therefore I, I have decided that I am definitely, um, going to publish this myself through my own company. Um, because I would just absolutely hate to have some editor come in and say, 
you know, instead of uh, amazing happy endings, why don't we do amazing terrible endings where everything just gets destroyed and their world falls apart and we will put dark clouds and fire and brimstone on the cover and people in anguish and say, be afraid and it'll sell like hotcakes. No, I'm not going to do that. I think we need the amazing happy endings and, 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 and all the endings don't have to necessarily be all positive and beautiful and angelic, but usually, you know, they, they, an amazing ending is good because that's what we like. We like good things. So, uh, I don't know how, how much longer I'm going to keep collecting those stories, but you can get a free book if you go there and just take a, a few minutes and write yours for me. Go to amazinghappyendings.com or if you go to joshuapwarren.com, you will find a link there at the top. Okay, I have much more to tell you about, but it's going to have to wait for another show because I am out of time. Therefore, speaking of an amazing happy ending, let's all have one together, shall we? I want you to make this next week the best one ever. Take a deep breath. If you can, close your eyes and let us all listen and meditate upon. Listen to and, me and meditate upon the good fortune tone. That's it for this edition of the show. Follow me on Twitter at Joshua P. Warren. Plus, visit JoshuaPWarren.com to sign up for my free e-newsletter to receive a free instant gift and check out the cool stuff in the curiosity shop all at JoshuaPWarren.com. I have a fun one lined up for you next time, I promise. So please tell all your friends to subscribe to this show and to always remember the golden rule. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your interest and support. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon. You've been listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Make sure and check out all our shows on the iHeartRadio app or by going to iHeartRadio.com. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. 
The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.